welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Today is Sunday, December 18th, right? Is today the 18th? Uh. (laughs) What day is it? Where's my phone? Hold on. I have a watch. It uh, is the 18th. Yes, good job. I, I was, was going right. to say, Kyle, how many days until Christmas? Can you get it this time? Seven. Yes. Seven days till Christmas. When you wake up next Sunday, it's going to be Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, this morning we were in Second Samuel chapter 11. We were closing out our Advent series here today as we looked at the four different women that Matthew names in his genealogy. And so we started by looking at Tamar uh, a few weeks ago, four weeks ago, and then uh, then Rahab, then Ruth, and now this week here today was Bathsheba. And um, and interesting, as we mo- we noted, and uh, Matthew doesn't actually refer to Bathsheba by her name, but instead by her legal designation as the wife of Uriah. And so as he does that, he jumps back up all the sort of the drama and all the pain and everything that really came from that moment. And so uh, yet in it, we saw we saw God's grace, we saw God's provision, and we were reminded of the, of the truth and the reality of sin, that, uh, that more sin is not a solution to our pain. It doesn't actually bring us peace. It doesn't bring us contentment. It doesn't bring us wholeness. Even though in a lot of ways it promises to do those things, but it does not bring those things to us. And so today here, joined uh, for one last time in our... Advent series, uh, sermon by Beyond the Sermon podcast with Danielle, my wife. So welcome, Danielle. Thanks. It's been such a great journey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice to have a blocked out hour of time to talk to you every single week. Every single week. So how do you and your wife find alone time? We record a podcast for our church. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then for 30 oh. minutes afterwards, we turn it off, and then we can chat, there we you know, go. without our kids. There we go. We lock ourselves <laughs> in the podcast studio at church, <laughs> set our kids free in the gym. We're recording a podcast, <laughs> quote unquote. I use quotation fingers there. <laughs> well, so this morning, we're in a day with talking about David and Bathsheba, looking at their story, mm-hmm. and the story of the affair, and the resulting pregnancy, and all the sin and the dysfunction, the chaos that comes uh, because of David's spiral, really, uh, in this yeah. in this passage. And so we have a couple questions from the sermon this morning from the text, and then we have a handful of questions to get wrapped up in the Ask Kyle and Danielle Anything segment of uh, of this month's uh, part of the podcast. So, mm-hmm. so Danielle, what were what was one of the first? The, yeah, let's just take the the sermon questions, the t- questions from the text first. Okay, great. Well. All right, so David is, uh, this this story blows my mind because David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and mm. he um, just is such a good man, and when I think about like great kings, I think about David, and I love the Psalms, and this story is almost kind of heartbreaking to me, um, yeah. Yeah. but it also gives me great, um, it gives me great, I don't know what the word is, confidence or um, assurance that like, the Lord is faithful to forgive when yeah. we repent. Yeah. Um, but yes. of course, David is in the story. He doesn't go to war when he should go to war. Yep. 
And um, and then he's like taking a nap on his couch and gets up and he's a little bit bored and he sees Bathsheba <laughs> and decides to quell his boredom with her. And so yeah. um, the person asking this story or asking this question says, does this story have the source of the saying, idle hands are the devil's playthings? Yeah. Is that where that huh. comes from? That's an interesting question. Maybe if David knew that saying, <laughs> he would have done better. Maybe if David <laughs> had known that saying. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know the origin of that of that phrase specifically, but obviously. So you know, I mean, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle hands are the devil's playground. You know, um, I heard it many different ways growing up. <laughs> but right. um, but I, I think I think more than anything, I don't know if it, I don't I. Honestly, I do not know if this is the source of that or Danielle's Googling on her phone right now. I, I am. This is good. She's, she's fact checking the podcast as we are recording it. So I am like a little in shock about it. Hold on, I'll tell you in a moment. Keep talking. Okay. Kyle. All right. So I think I think more than anything, I think we can see here the disastrous consequences of when we linger in temptation, right? And so uh, should David have been up doing something? I think often when we hear that phrase, you know, idle hands are the devil's workshop or they're the devil's playthings or playground or whatever. It's like, we need to go and do something more. Um, which in the scope of the scripture is like, we are also called to rest and to, and to relax and to enjoy the very presence of God. Like we don't always have to be doing, we don't always have to be working. Um, and so, so in that, though, we can see in this passage the, the reality that when we're not consciously choosing righteousness, when we're not consciously choosing to be about what God desires for us, when we're not cooperating with the plans of God, the disastrous consequences, right? Or the way that we said it this morning is that this is what happens when we linger a little too long. Right. You know what I mean? And so so the, the problem, you know, there's lots of problems that we talked about this morning with David. One, he should have been with his men. It was, the text begins by saying it was the springtime. It's the time when kings sent their armies out. David sends his army out. And they are, they, are, they are armed. They are ready for battle. Yet David is not with them. And, and you can even hear it in Joab's response. Joab is, he is upset with his king. He is upset because um, he, can, he sees right through what David is doing. He understands. He just brought Uriah home for some R&R. Now he's sending him back to the front lines and is saying, Put them, put them where the battle is the the hottest, the most significant, the most heated, and and he's gonna die. And then send a messenger back and let me know what happened. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so Joab Joab's not a not a dumb guy, obviously. You know, and so he sees right through what David is doing, and he knows that his king is not there. His king should be there. So you even hear it in Joab's response in the passage when he's like, "And remind David when he is upset because of the tactical mistake that I made." It's not my fault. That Uriah the Hittite died. <laughs> you did this. This is your fault, David. This is all your fault, right? You should have been here. You should have been with us. You should have never done this. Yeah. So so I think, again, we can see in this text the unfolding reality of when we are not purposeful or intentional to be about the things of God, the disaster that then and the dysfunction and the distress that then follows from those things, mm-hmm. right? When we are yeah. not intentional to purposely be about um, things of God. Does that mean we had to be working all the time? Because I think that's often like where this phrase comes in is like we've got to be producing something. Yeah, and, I, I and that would fit very well <laughs> with an American mm-hmm. cultural mindset. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think I think it's it's more about being 
not this phrase necessarily, but I think what the text is trying to help us to uncover and help us to see is that we are to be purposeful and intentional about being about the things of God. Well, and about doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like David's work was to go mm-hmm. to war. And I mean, he was king. He was His work was to at least be with his men. At right? some at point, point, he said, I I don't feel like that's what I want to do. And so he decided not to do it. Yep. Do it. Like he went with his feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and this story is so interesting. If you keep reading, like I feel like we didn't even unpack part of it this morning. Yeah. Because if you... If you read about Joab a little bit later, yeah, in this book, um, Joab and the military or the army go and they actually siege Raba mm-hmm. and they like yeah. they take it down and Joab sends David a note and says, "Hey, if you don't come, I'm going to take the credit for this." Victory. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can almost like tell that. Joab sees the the kind of like scoundrelness, the dirtiness in, in what yeah. David is doing, like his yeah. unrighteousness. And he's like, yeah. hey, you are no longer a fit king. Yeah. You don't even bother to ride out with your men. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think there's a lot of people in this story that see that David, who started out great, is yeah. kind of slipping here. Yeah. So there's a lot of warning signs for David yeah. that he is... Like he's not doing the things that he should be about. Yeah. And they're not just, I mean, and really it's not just warning signs. They are points of critical failure. Uh-huh. Right? They are points of <laughs> yeah. critical failure in David's leadership. I, I joke with someone after the service about, um, I mean, just, just the reality of seeing God's lavish grace that he pulls back the curtain, you know, the, uh, the, the reality he pulls back the curtain on his heroes, on the heroes of the Bible that David is. And we were reflecting, we're like, David, this is the same guy that is called, the, the, the Bible, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. Right. This is the same guy. And I was like, well, imagine if I acted like David as your pastor. I would not be your pastor very long. And nobody <laughs> would give you that title. No, no. No. So the Bible pulls pulls the curtain back and shows us. And, um, you know, and in the reality is it, it shows us and reminds us of the importance of cooperating and being intentional about being um, about the things of God, you mm-hmm. know, and the disastrous realities that happen when we're not yeah and so um yeah so. i did i did look up the uh the origin and I, I didn't okay so i'm like listening to kyle and trying to read at the same time but wikipedia the first, the first thing that came up was um that it comes from proverbs sixteen twenty seven. Oh, interesting which is interesting because who wrote the proverbs Solomon. Which is David's son with Bathsheba. Oh. Oh, the plot thickens. <laughs> He's like, I saw what my daddy did and don't repeat those mistakes. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't say it word for word. So it says that idol is like like idol as an I D L E, mm-hmm. not idol as in like a, another god, but like being lazy is something that the Proverbs constantly repeats as a theme, like don't mm-hmm. be lazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely um, does. It definitely does. Like idle hands are the devil's work. Idle hand. Oh, idle lips are his mouthpiece. That's not necessarily found word for word in scripture. But Proverbs sixteen twenty seven says something like, a scoundrel plots evil on their lips. It is like scorching fire. I don't know. Anyways, that that was their idea that 
Oh, the appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them on. So like actually mm -hmm. being a worker. But so there's, there's this idea, at least in all of Proverbs, that, you know, not, not working, being lazy is yeah. actually like, it's, it's something that is described as foolish. Yeah. But we have to make sure we have to make sure that understand that laziness is not Rest. Having a time of intentional rest. Yeah, it's not rest. It's it's like yeah, <laughs> not doing the things it, that it, you're supposed to it be is, about. It is literally laziness is literally shirking your God given responsibilities. Yes. Right. Yep. So so laziness is that of like oh I know I should go to work. Yeah. Right or or whatever. <laughs> right. You know like I have I have this God given responsibility, and I'm going to abdicate that responsibility. I'm going to intentionally not do that responsibility. And then I'm going to wonder why I'm in the heap of trouble or heap of pain that I'm in. Right. right? You know, so um, that that is laziness. Laziness is not when you go and you, you're saying like, I need I need to take an intentional time of rest. Jesus was not being lazy when he got away to rest and to pray. Yeah. Right? It's okay to take a vacation, everyone. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. And you need, yeah. you actually need, it's not just wait for a vacation, not just like that once a week, twice a week. Yes. Or once a, once a year, one week a year, two weeks a year, whatever your vacation schedule is. Right. And, um, uh, but it is like, we need to build into our, that's the entire point of Sabbath. The entire point of the Sabbath is that God is gifting us rest mm -hmm. because he knows we will perpetually work ourselves into, into dysfunction and perpetually work ourselves into exhaustion because of the curse of sin, right? Because of the fall that we are trying to earn, we're trying to fix, we're trying to overcome sin in so many ways on our own. But the gift of Sabbath is to say we cannot earn it. We cannot become this on our own. So instead, we need to rest. He gives us a pattern of rest. And that's even pre-fall, right? I mean, God gives, God has. I mean, the Bible tells us on the seventh day, God rested. And so God was already before the fall. Um, and it's only, it's uh, the reality of of our our nature to uh, to ignore rest is only, you know, made worse by the fall, but even in right rhythm with God, pre-fall, Adam and Eve were to, they were to work, they were to tend the garden, they were to literally have dominion over the garden, they were to see it f continue to flourish under their care, mm -hmm. and they were to rest with God, right? There was this... There's a commandment for both. Yeah, there's a yeah. divine rhythm there that's put in place. The sin and the fall, it just throws it all on its head, throws it all on its head. And so, um, so laziness is not the intentional act of resting, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and so like for us, for our family, I mean, we Sabbath, um, on Saturdays because Sunday's yeah. a big, busy day. I'm working on Sundays, um, you know, and so, but we take intentional time to rest, as a family on Saturdays and mm -hmm. we're pretty guarded about what we do and all those kind of things. And, and we're clear with our kids. I mean, you know, we talk about Sabbath and resting and family time and those kind of things on Saturdays. Yeah. And we, we just make that a priority for our family um, because we believe that God wants us to engage in that rhythm of rest and that we need to engage in that rhythm, rhythm of rest. And, and rest is an important statement theologically that said, I'm not enough and that's okay. Yeah. Because the one in whom I am purchased, the one in whom I find life, Jesus, is enough. Mm -hmm. Right? So so laziness is a shirking of, of responsibility. Resting is not laziness. Right. Right? So don't confuse those two. Yeah. You know? That's all really good. That's Those are really good thoughts. 
Um, are you ready for the next one? I'm ready. <laughs> um, okay, so this one gets a little bit personal. Uh-huh. Kyle. Um, <laughs> I hope you're ready for it. Um, what reoccurring or habitual sin do you struggle with the most? If you're willing to share. That's a great question. I actually don't sin. <laughs> Danielle's like, actually, I'll tell you what he struggles how with. About, how about you tell me what my reoccurring sin is, Kyle, and I will tell you what your reoccurring Ooh. sin is. Ooh. Can we get, can we dial up a therapist? Uh, yeah, I know. Where's our counselor? <laughs> let's, let's Where's di- our in-house counselor? Let's dial up a, a counselor here. A mediator. A mediator. a mediator. A mediator. Oh, man. Don't do that with your spouse. Uh, <laughs> it's not. No. Not unless. Let me just. Let unless me just, you have a counselor involved. Danielle, I would really just like to speak into your life and tell you in all the ways that you're falling short. Yep. <laughs> That's not good. It's not a good uh, idea. Well, I mean, we need each other. I mean, you call me out on my stuff and, you know, uh, and. Um, only it, after it's really, really annoyed me. <laughs> only after it's been really, really, it's really, really obvious. Um, but no, I mean, I think that is part of our relationship and part of the relationship, you, you know, um, I think God desires for us to have with our spouses is that we're able to speak into each other's lives. And when things go sideways and things don't go well, when things aren't godly or God honoring, you know, you should have somebody in your life and go, Hey, that wasn't great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or this isn't who you are. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you are, you're a man of faith or you're a woman of integrity or yeah. like yeah, something you are slipping. Yeah. Like I'm wondering maybe did, did David have somebody like that to be like, hey, yeah, I bet it's someone looked at him sideways whenever he was like, nope, I'm not going to war, you know? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And there's so much in this text that we're not told. There's so right. much here that we're not told, right? And so it's, so I think, you know, you get into, we get to the nitty gritty here in the text specifically, and we're just like, what, what in the world? Who is it? But I mean, David had Nathan. I mean, we just yeah. go to chapter 12. Nathan is the one who comes and is like, Oh, hey, by the way, I want to tell you a story. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you a story about a guy and some sheep, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Which, uh, by the way, you should read that, but you could also watch the VeggieTales version. There we go. Isn't there like King Henry steals the rubber ducky? Like he's got all the rubber duckies in the world and he goes and steals <laughs> the rubber ducky of this one poor man. I don't remember. I'm not a VeggieTales theologian. <laughs> I, I've got to brush up on my VeggieTales. Oh, so anyway, let's not yes. keep deflecting away from the question. <laughs> it's like, are you trying to stall? <laughs> Answer the question, Kyle. I think it's a great question and it's a fair question. And I mean, so like this morning I shared, um, you know, my struggles on social media and they're very real. I mean, it's not just a trite, like, you know, oh, let me mention something, you know, um, the reality is, is that jealousy is something that I continue, I, I struggle with. I struggle with on a routine basis. Um, I've struggled with for a long time. Um, you know, you get into ministry and um, ministry is this, it can, can sometimes be this very odd mix of reality that you're dug down deep in the inner person, into people's lives and you're seeing people grow. But then there's also this thing of like, you know, there's just weird comparison game that can get played. You know, you look at the church down the street or whatever. And so, um, by God's grace, I've had mentors in my life that have spoken into that, you know, and called me out when I got my priorities mixed up and helped me to realign that, you know what, our job is to be my job as a pastor is to be just faithful, faithful with where God has planted me, faithful with the flock that he's called me to shepherd in this moment. And, 
and trust that God is doing eternal significant work, you know, in me and through me and, and in and through us as a body and those kind of things. And, um, you know, but I think even even in my in my personal life, not just my vocational life, you str- I've struggled with that, but in my personal life. And it comes up. It comes up on social media. I mean, um, I've always struggled with it in this way on social media, you know. And so um, Facebook, um, more specifically Instagram. Facebook, I'm just, I'm not personally drawn to a ton, you know. Like, I don't find myself scrolling Facebook um, but Instagram tends to be the social media that I use and I engage with. And, um, and so even when I would find myself posting on Instagram, which I don't even post anymore on Instagram, simply because I would find myself going back to see who liked it. Well, that's the whole point right. of it. Yeah. That, I mean, I mean, right? there's like, yeah. And I think there's a, something out there to not have, I mean, it's not like there's a not, I don't like this button, you know, yeah. like, yeah, actually there probably is. Isn't there like a, um, there's, a there's thumbs down? Or? No, not on Instagram. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. But there's like there's a you whole like there's yourself. a whole like myriad of there's other like an angry face, other emotion and emojis that you can react to to different posts. But so like I find in myself that I find great. I'm I'm finding a disproportionate amount of validation, and I'm looking for validation, and and it and when it doesn't come. It's like it creates discontent in me. It creates insecurity or draws up insecurity in me. And then, and then combine that with as I'm scrolling through and I'm seeing other people's posts and, and I'm, and I'm making all kinds of assumptions about them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm making all kinds of assumptions and I'm beginning again, I'm playing the comparison game. And so, um, so frankly, I mean, yeah, I mean, jealousy is, is one of those things that creeps up in my life, creeps up in my heart. That is a f- consistent battle. It's a consistent battle for me, you know, and, um, and to walk through that I've shared in the past as well that, you know, I got my, got my temper, uh, temper as, uh, honestly, <laughs> honestly, yeah. Came by it honestly, uh, chip off the old block, you know, and, um, and there's a reality that what made me successful in athletics, what, what was a really good quality in athletics of being this highly intense, highly competitive <laughs> i i mean overdrive turbo mode makes me a terrible pastor right you know uh the mm-hmm. thing that i got praised for for the first you know 22 years of my life was this overdrive sense of competition overdrive sense of i'm going to outwork you i'm going to outperform you i'm going to you know like yeah. adversity and that, those aren't bad things necessarily but then, you know, they're not, they're also not necessarily God glorifying things, yeah, you know? So and so I'm kind of curious, um, jealousy and anger and being competitive. What do you do to safeguard yourself against those sins? And I mean, you said give sin no quarter. I think that resonated with people today that give sin no quarter. How yeah. do you not give sin any quarter in those particular sins? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think there's some, uh, this is a great question and I'm just, I mean, I'm learning, I'm trying to grow here. You know what I mean? And so, so there are things like I, I mean, on my phone, I regulate, I regulate the, the apps that I use and I have timers. I mean, in your apps, you can have, they often call like digital wellness or digital wholeness or whatever. Screen time. Screen time. You can manage 
the amount of time that you have on your phone. Limits, right? app limits. You can set app limits and, and you'll have a little text box that will pop up and be like, you've been on the app for five minutes or 10 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever, whatever time you set. But, you know, like be proactive in that way. You can set checks on your phone to help you in that way. Um, you know, honestly, uh, <laughs> when uh, um, I had to find you know, um, different avenues for competitive outlets early on coming out of coming out of college, being in ministry, realizing that, you know, uh, one of my first one of my first vocational positions in ministry was I was over sixth grade boys discipleship. Right. Uh, you shouldn't be super competitive as a grown man with sixth grade boys. Right. Like that's right. a bad look, you yeah. know. So I had to come and I had to find other avenues and outlets for that. I think the other side of it is just growing in my emotional awareness and my emotional intelligence to even know like, oh, your competition's not, what you're doing, you're making this unfun. Mm -hmm. Like you're ruining this for everybody. Like, so to not be that guy, you know? So I think- (laughs) I think our kids get your over competitiveness (laughs) because when we're playing board games, it's horrible. Like there's (laughs) so much that like, I'm like, guys- we're supposed to be having fun. It's not about winning. Yeah. <laughs> like it's going to be okay if your brother skips a few spaces on the board. He's five, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. So, so apple I th- doesn't fall too far. They from the didn't, tree. It does not fall too far <laughs> from the tree. And we've joked and said it this way before, like our kids get the best of us and the worst yeah, of us all wrapped that's up. True. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, so when it comes to like social media, I realize that social media is a, is a, is a stumbling block for me in the area of jealousy and discontent. Mm. All right. So, if I know that I need to take proactive steps to be about that. So like, I don't have a Facebook app on my phone. I only use Facebook on my computer, right? So that already limits it, mm-hmm. you know? And even at that, I know that often when I jump onto Facebook, it is to do a very specific thing, right? I've got to respond to a message or something like that, right? I'm, I'm there. I stopped posting to social media because I realized that all it did was it just drew up in me you know, this sense of, of insecurity mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and was looking for validation where it just wasn't, it's just, it was in unhealthy ways. Right. Yeah. So limiting those things that are in my life, right. And like literally physically limiting them in my life. Um, you know, uh, having my, my temper, I mean, part of it is just, you got to grow. We got to grow. We've got to realize and say, okay, that didn't go well. I can't do that anymore. I need to I need to begin to have some different patterns in my life. But part of that came, I mean, you know, Danielle, you speak into my life and I have other men that speak into my life and, you know, people that call me out on my stuff. And so, and learning to say that I'm sorry and learning to say, Hey, that didn't go well. I didn't say that. Well, I didn't, I didn't mean for it to come across that way, you know, even, and even recognizing, I think even in our marriage, you know, um, we've grown a lot better. Um, We've grown healthier in understanding like, you know what? There are some times we need to have a conversation, yet the time is not the right time to have that conversation. And so we'll just, we'll say things like, hey, you know, we got to come back to this. We're going to schedule time for it. You know, we've scheduled time for conversations. Mm -hmm. Or you'll ask me, you're like, hey, I need to talk to you about this thing. Are you, are you in the space to talk to me about it? Right. You'll joke, you'll tell, you know, are you, are you in your brilliant mode right now? You know, um, when I take personality assessments, I, uh, was a, I think it was a strength Clifton strength finders, uh, personality assessment. I took one time and it said that, uh, 
you know, my, my, the summary of my personality was be brief, be brilliant, be gone. (laughs) Right. And so I need you to be a genius. I want you to hit me quick and I want you to go, you know, like, um, I'm not a verbal processor, you know? And so, you know, about, I mean, you know, this about me, right. When I'm, when I've had, when I've had a long day, when I'm on, you know, um, when I'm, when I'm running on empty emotionally or spiritually, tired, I'm overwhelmed. tired, I'm overwhelmed, mm-hmm. whatever hungry. it is, I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just like, let's get Kyla's sandwich and then we can talk. Yeah. Right? Here's a sandwich, honey. Let's talk about this. <laughs> but you're able to respond to me and say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Are you in the place to process it? And I can, I can, and you give me the space to say yes or no. Now, what that does not mean is if I say no, it does not mean that we don't ever talk about it. It means I now need to find a time mm-hmm. that we are going to talk about it, right? Yeah. And so so we're able to reciprocate that with one another. At the same time, there are times, I mean, you are more of a verbal processor than I am, you know, and uh, and I have to give you, I need to give you space for that, right? I can't expect yeah. you to relate to me. And, and I ask you, I will, yeah. I will say, hey, or just flat out tell you and be like, I don't have this all worked out in my mind. <laughs> Um, I'm not brilliant right now. Yep, yep. In your, in you will your, literally say that. To I will me. say I'm not brilliant. I just I need to process this, and yeah. I'm just I'm still thinking about it, and I haven't landed yet on yeah. a place where I need oh, on a place where I know exactly what I want, or I haven't decided. Yeah. But I just need to talk through it though with you. Yeah. And and then you know like <laughs> to put down brilliant mode and. Yep. And listen yeah. and process it with me. Yeah. 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 So I think, I mean, I think, so those are some of the things that I, I routinely struggle with. I routinely struggle with jealousy. I routinely struggle to find valid, to be validated in ways that are probably not healthy, not godly. Uh-huh. I routinely struggle with, you know, a, a, having a short fuse and those kind of things. And I, and I hope that I've grown in those. I think that I've grown in those. A lot of it is just recognizing, recognizing, um, uh, physical, physical cues, physical situations and addressing them, um, you know, social media, interpersonal moments, all that kind of stuff. And, and trying to be wise about those things. It's about inviting, it's about inviting other voices into my life to speak into it, to call me out and to call me up, you know, into, into, into righteousness. Um, allowing the, the, the pain of my own failure, you know, not just trying to go, Lord, would you just remove that from me? But God, what do you want to teach me through that? Yeah. Because I think in God's grace, like, while he does not hold our sin against us, if we are aware and if we will be aware to the, the, the pain of our sin, it's a gracious thing of God that he allows us to experience it in a way that does not completely crush or destroy us. And instead we can go, oh, that wasn't good. I don't want to do that again. And God's like, yep. Yeah, it's important to be reflective, right? Like we need to be thinking about, I think that's one of the greatest things that I learned in college was like to be reflective about my personality, about my life, about, you know, the direction that I was going in. But being reflective is also about like reflecting on how was my walk with God? Am I, is there any space in my life? Is there any yeah. area in my life that I need to repent of? Yeah, yeah. And I was I was going to say, well, I mean, one of the safeguards for giving sin no quarter is talking to the Lord about it yeah. and saying, hey, like, 
what do you see in my life, God, that I need to repent of? And then repent of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that that was David's great turnabout was yeah. him repenting. Yeah. And yeah, if he... it wasn't for that, like, I, I really believe that this story would have gone in a different direction. Yeah. You know, because there's plenty of um, examples of that in scripture where kings do not repent of their sin. They oh, don't yeah. turn, they turn no. away from the prophets and they say, no, I'm not going to listen to you. And it leads them to destruction yeah, and not just like death, but like horrible destruction, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and no family line of Jesus. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, even, yeah. even David's son Solomon is not going to die. Well, I mean, yeah. the, the text will literally say that he, he died as an idol worshiper. And well, but so, that was part of, that was his own sin well, too. That wasn't but, because of David, right? No, that's not because of David. But what I'm saying is that you just talked about David's willingness to repent. Mm-hmm. Like we even see it one generation later in Solomon yeah. where Solomon has this phenomenal start. The first half of Solomon's reign is phenomenal. And by the end, 700 wives, 300 concubines. He's, he has allowed the thousand women that he is legally obligated to, which is wild. That is so wild. I can't even imagine. Like that's like a city. It's, it's insane. It's, like a city it's of insane. Wives. It's insane. <laughs> but he's allowed them to turn his heart away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and so even in the end of his life, he's, he is, he, he dies caught up in this habitual sin of idolatry, which is Israel's, Israel's standing sin of literally replacing the Lord with idols of wood, stone, gold, metal, right? Um, you know, and so I just think, I think when we look at our lives and we look at the habitual sin in our lives, we get stuck in habitual sin because we're trying to treat something that is an impact, that is a consequence of the fall. We're trying to treat some inadequacy. We're trying to seize some gift that we th- that we think, you know, um, that it, we're like, hey, you know what? I, I need that. I want that. Whatever that is, that's going to make me better. And yet when we seize it on our own, James tells us that when desire gives birth to sin, sin gives birth to death. Right, and James goes on to tell us in that same set, in that same context there um, about about the death death that is caused from sin. He goes on to say that our Father in heaven is a he gives good gifts. Mm-hmm. Right, every good gift comes from our Father in heaven. So we are substituting the good gifts of God for our own our own seizing of of those gifts, and what we bring is dissatisfaction and death. You know, and so if we want to overcome habitual sin. It's not just going, okay, what is the thing that I'm doing that's wrong? It's the why. Why am I doing it? What am I trying to satisfy? What am I trying to make whole, right? I'm a performance-oriented, performance-driven, people-pleasing person. I know that. (laughs) Me too. I get it. I want people to tell me I'm doing a good job. That's not wrong. That's not bad. (laughs) That's not ungodly, right? Um, But when I try to find validation apart from healthy rhythms of that, healthy expressions of that. And when that turns my heart towards jealousy, like nothing good comes from that. I need to, and I need to, I need to root those things out. Mm -hmm. But if I'm just going, oh, it's their social media is the problem. And I cut social media out. I'm not actually addressing the problem. I'm I'm addressing the practice. It helps, but it doesn't hurt, but I still, I'm going to still, I still continue to struggle with jealousy and not knowing that I'm why I'm struggling with it, right? Yeah. I I know why I struggle with these things. Yeah, social media is not like the devil in itself, but the thing is, is it well, it exacerbates <laughs> the 
the human nature. Yeah. It exacerbates our yeah. narcissism and yeah. our jealousy and our comparison yeah. and our anger. And yeah. like, honestly, it could be a pretty great tool if you want to know what what's my sin. <laughs> Take a look at your social media account. Like, yeah. what is the thing that you, like, is there idolatry there going on? Are you you know, constantly comparing yourself to other people. What, what is it? Are you angry on social media all the time? Well, maybe, maybe anger is something yeah. that needs to be repented. You know, like yeah. could be I, a really great, great tool. Yeah. You know, I think it's, way. there's, there's what we need to understand is, is when we look at habitual sin, it's not just, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Why? What is the thing that I'm trying to fix through my sin? Mm-hmm. And, and I think when we begin to root that out and we come back to that with the Lord and we invite people in our lives that help us speak into that, call us out when we need to be called out, call us up when we need to be called up, what we will find is that, is that, that, that we will we'll find healing. And some of the sin that's in our lives, some of the things that we struggle with are habitual generational things that we were traumatized, that we were abused, that we, like, it's not our fault, you know what I mean? And so... So there's, it's not also just a, this isn't a, a call or a message to just do better, be better. Right. Right. <laughs> um, there is, there's a, there's, there are heaps of grace in this whole thing mm-hmm. and there are parts that we need to own. And then there are parts that, you know, there are some things that we've inherited or some things that have been done to us that make it really hard to walk in healthy rhythms and healthy practices. And we definitely need other people to help us through those things. So yeah, that's a good question. That's a great, honest question um, about my, I'm all, and always here to uh, lay out my uh, my heart here before us. So, Sure. Are well, we going to enter the segment of Kyle and Danielle's parenting? <laughs> well, I think that's what this, we've gotten a lot of questions about parenting or just how we process parenting. And so, um, yeah, so what I do we got? I feel like we what need we a got? little ditty what to go got? along with this change of segment. <laughs> Do, 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 do. Here oh, comes the man. parenting section with Kyle and Danielle. That was good. Yeah. That was good. That good. was nice. All right. So what do we got? <laughs> Are you going to cut that? Probably <laughs> not. Okay. Um, okay. Let's uh, start with. Everybody's going to learn how much of a cornball you are. <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of corny. Um, okay. Here, let's talk about spending time together as a family. How do we prioritize family time? And then at the same time, can we talk about how do we prioritize one-on-one time with our kids on a regular basis? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Those are good. So uh, how do we prioritize family time and how do we prioritize one-on-one time? Yes. Um, Yeah. I mean, so we, as mentioned earlier here, uh, part of our weekly rhythm is Saturday is family day. Saturday is Sabbath day, right? So, um, So we are spending time as a family on Saturdays. And it's just because of the nature of Sunday for us, right? Um, Sunday's a busy day, you know. Um, but even Sunday, I mean, we, you know, we host our small group and, and it's families. Families get together. And so it's even, it's a relational, it's a relational time for our kids that, you know, we're, we're there and they're as much outgoing as we are, right? When we don't, you know, when it's like, they're like, is it small group day? Is everybody coming over? And they're mad when we don't have it. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, but part of even part of even the approach to small group um, for us is that it's a it's a it's a chance for families to share in time together. And that means our kids as well get to share in that. But um, yeah, I mean, for you, how would you process this or answer this question? 
Um, as far as family time goes, it, honestly, we have a really busy schedule. And so a long time ago, a couple years ago, we had just decided in ministry that Saturday was our day together as much as possible because you can do ministry on any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's events that happen on Saturdays. There's things that go on. And sometimes it doesn't always happen that we get every Saturday together. Yeah. But we spend time together on Saturdays. We usually, you know, go to lunch. We have um, a mm-hmm. funny little thing we call Shabbat lunch now. Um <laughs> Because, I, you know, it's just one little thing I don't have to do is to make lunch or to think about lunch. And often yeah. we get so busy playing or going on hikes or even just like raking leaves together or doing yard work together. Like that, even though it's work, it's together. You yeah. know, we spend yeah. time together doing that. Um, and then we also really try to make a habit of having dinner together. Yeah. Yeah. Um as much as possible. Yeah. Uh we have like maybe one night a w- one night a week right now where um our kids do some kind of sport and so that in it it's like right over dinner time. Um but we you know try to make at least a couple of us are together for dinner. So we try to meet at the table at least once a day. Yeah. You know, and, and I know that there are probably parents listening and they're like, Oh, one night a week for sports. That would be so nice. Uh, Let me whisper this truth to you. Our, our kids have that because we've chosen for them to have that. Mm -hmm. And we've made, we've made dinner a priority. And that part of that is that in my work, in my rhythm, I've got early morning meetings. I'm out before breakfast. And then I've got late evening meetings. I'm out, you know, through, through bedtime. There's nights, right? And I don't get back till after bedtime. And so we've recognized that both in my work, there are some unique things to my work, which, which I, which I love, we, you know, and we, we understand. And, and it's not to say that my job is harder than anybody else's job, because if you are a grown up and you're doing a job, it's hard, right? We all have hard things to our jobs. And some of us, frankly, I love my job and it is a great job and it's a great blessing and a great gift, right? And there are a lot of other harder jobs that I could have to be doing than I am doing right now, right? Yeah, with so, a different schedule. With a different yeah. schedule, right? So so we recognize where we're at and and what our family needs. But let me just let me just whisper the truth that we learned a long time ago. And it was because people whispered it to us, or sometimes people told it, they just straight up told it to us. As parents, we are the ones that set the priorities for our family. We're the one that set the schedules for our family. I mean, so frankly, like here in the spring, we've told our kids, we've told our girls like, hey, we're not going to do this one thing because we're going to go do this other thing right now. And they were like, they were not happy about it. (laughs) But it was like, hey, you know what? We're going to. And by thing, we mean like a sport. Like a sport. Yeah. We try, we try, our kids are still little. Yeah. And I know that. Well, they're, um, they're littler. They're littler. They're headed towards middle school um and so we don't have teenagers that can like drive themselves places and i this would be interesting to revisit this question later on but our principle that we're hoping to follow and trying to follow now is one activity or sport per season yes Um, and that's and we didn't come up with that on our own that's something that Folks that have walked this line before us mm-hmm. have told us, have taught us, have showed us the value of that. And so yes. so we limit 
their extracurricular activities so that we can prioritize family time. And so, yeah, family dinners are an absolute priority. Phones get put away at family dinners. They do not, they do not come out. Danielle and I are the only ones with phones at, at currently in our family. Um, Setting a precedent. And so, but phones, phones get put away. They don't come out at dinner. Um, we take Saturdays um, as, as frequently and o- as often as possible to just be together. One of the things we love to do is we love to be outside. We love to hike. A lot of our, a lot of my job, a lot of our, our weekly rhythm is with a lot of other people. And so just getting away to be quiet with our kids is super important to us. And so, or be loud in nature. Or be loud in nature, you know, one of the two. <laughs> Where but, nobody else will be bothered by it. <laughs> yep. Um, so we just, those are some things, those are some rhythms. Family dinner, uh, Saturday time together as much as possible. And, um, and, and yeah, just, just being intentional when we are together, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. yeah. And what about one-on-one time? Yeah, you have a really great example. So, so one-on-one time is something that um, I've I've watched other men in my life do well with their kids, and they've taken them out on donut dates or whatever. They just make a priority of getting away with their kids. And so, um, for us and our rhythm and things like that, um, I just I take I take one of our kids out uh, on a Sunday early before church. They come into the office with me early on a Sunday morning. I mean, it's a bit of a longer day for them, right? Mm-hmm. They're um, but uh, so we show up, we go to Panera on a Sunday morning. We've got the Pam rhythm. That's Pierce Adelaide Mercy. <laughs> what's, what's the fourth going <laughs> to? I don't know. Now we're going to have a fourth on the way. How so do that's going to be. How do we add to Pam? Uh, I don't, we're going to have yeah. to choose a name based on uh, an acronym there. But yeah, so you guys are going to have to text in like your name suggestions oh, for man. how we make there Pam. We there we go. Great. <laughs> well, so anyway, so I, Danielle, right now, uh, we homeschool and we started doing that in the pandemic. So Danielle gets a lot of time with our kids. But again, that was an intentional decision in the middle of that season to um, Danielle stepped away from uh, her part-time job at Overflow and stepped away from a business that she had launched that was taken off and doing really well. And we made, it was a financial decision that we made. We changed some of the financial uh, realities of our life, uh, uh, you know, and the vacations we were planning to take and Mm -hmm. just all of it, right? It had a financial impact. That decision had a financial impact on our life. So um, it was a big one, but we made it to prioritize family. And so, and for where we were at and those kind of things. So that, that is descriptive, not prescriptive. Let me just say that here. When we talk about this stuff, and I think we got a question about school choice coming up. This is descriptive, not prescriptive, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to describe what we've done, how we've processed it. We're not prescribing. This is the right way to do it, right? So I- This is the way that we have found- Yes. That works for us and what we want to be intentional about and that we might be getting something wrong. You know, like we're we're just going to say that very humbly. Like we might be getting something wrong here. We're trying not to, but- yeah. And yeah. we, we're, we adjust in season, uh, by season. Right? right. And so, yeah, so I get away, um, each, every Sunday morning with one of my kids, uh, one of our kids. Um, and, uh, and we go to Panera, we get a bagel. It's fairly inexpensive. <laughs> it's repeatable. I'm not eating a donut every week, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, and it's just one-on-one time with the kids. And, um, and so I try to, it's, it's really helpful and they, they love it. You know, they get, they get excited for it. And, um, and I love it. I love being with them in that way. And it's just a, a repeatable. Now, do you have to cover food? No, you don't. You could go, you could do a, a bike ride. You could do a walk. 
mm-hmm. right? Your kids into art, do a craft with them, whatever, you know, like, but find some time to be one-on-one and, uh, and to make that happen on a regular repeated known, known, known rhythm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. good. I have a lot of things to say about that, but I think I'm going to ask another question because we're coming up on uh, like 50 minutes here. Yeah. Um, okay. So the one of the last questions on this list is about school choice. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not like really a question. It's just, you know, maybe talk about what are the pros and cons of public, private, homeschool. There's a lot of choices that we yeah. have yeah. in our country and in our city to be able to school kids and yeah, you want to, mm-hmm. you want to speak to that about, you know, yeah, maybe I, some helpful tips. I, th- <laughs> I, I think like most things in life, um, we tend to drift to black and white answers because that tends to be a safer space, right? If yeah. I'm, if I'm doing the right thing, <laughs> then that means I'm not doing the wrong thing. Well, and, and also that your kids won't turn out badly. Like yeah. that's, I and think I think that's the idea. And I think that that's okay. It's just not reflective of real life, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, so for Danielle and I, here's, here's what we, here's where we're at. We homeschool right now. We haven't always homeschooled. Um, in fact, we didn't start homeschooling until the pandemic. Right. And, um, and so the reason that we came in, I'm mean, like so many others, the pandemic shook everything up, you know, kind of turned a lot of things on its head. And, um, part of our backgrounds, both if for both of our families have come with uh, turbulence and all kinds of ups and downs and those kind of things. And coming into our marriage, one of the things that we said that we were going to be about is that no matter the jobs, no matter the careers, no matter the homes that we lived in, no matter, no matter our bank accounts, no matter any of those other things that kind of like the keeping up with the Joneses quintessential American dream stuff, we wanted our kids not to repeat the patterns uh, some of the patterns that we experienced growing up, right? Some of the brokenness that we experienced growing up, that if we're going to do anything, we want to get to the end of our lives knowing that we love Jesus and we loved our kids well and that, that they they love Jesus, right? You know, um, anything else after that is gravy. It's bonus, mm-hmm. you know? And so that has been a guiding litmus for us. And it's been a, a helpful line when we say, okay, we have to make hard decisions. Okay, what's going to help us <laughs> you know, love our kids well in this moment or uh, keep the priorities of our family set in this moment. And so just going into that, um, again, this is descriptive, not prescriptive, right? This is how we processed it for our family at that time. Um, We just said, you know what, knowing some of the challenges that were going to come up, knowing our kids, where they were at, the things that were on their hearts, their specific needs, um, early readers, all that kind of stuff saying, you know what? It's going to take a shift in in some in some priorities and some things, but we're going to make this shift, mm-hmm. and and it's been really good. You know, it's been really good for our family yeah. in that way. It also coincided with me stepping into this role and a much more public role than I had been in pr- uh, previously, and so there were just some things that were even there for for us as a family that we were able to engage in, and we were able to take some flexibility that. We wouldn't have been able to take if our kids would have been in a formal school setting. And so, mm-hmm. um, so there's lots of factors that went in there, but part of the, the biggest driver, uh, was just knowing where our kids were at intellectually and educationally and what they needed. And, yes. and I think at the end of the day for Danielle and I, we feel the responsibility to say it's our job to provide for our kids. 
Yeah. Right. And so that has included public school. Um, our oldest is going into middle school next year. We're currently in the conversation of like, okay, let's open enroll, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's the conversation of like, okay, here's, here's where our child is at. Here are the things that, that she needs to grow in the area that she needs to grow in. How do we help her do that? And in a way that allows her to have breathing room and to feel not overwhelmed and some of those things. And so, so I think at the end of the day, um, public school is great in that, um, you know, uh, there, are, I, my background isn't, isn't formally in education. Danielle's background isn't formally in education. You know, Danielle's got a master's degree and, um, you know, so we're educated. Um, but we just go, okay, you know what? There are experts there that are teaching well, there's resources there that we may not always have at home. Um, uh, there are opportunities for our kids to be salt and light. And that's really important. There's avenues for us to get to know other parents in the community and those kind of things. That's really important. So we've made sure that our kids are enrolled in other stuff and that we're engaged in that other stuff. We're coaching, we're, we're helping, we're being present on those teams and in those environments and those kind of things. So we're rubbing elbows with all kinds of people. And, um, you know, and so I think it's just that it's just knowing, you know, knowing your child, knowing your family background, um, knowing yourself you know, and, and I think, I just want to encourage you as you're processing it, it's okay. It's okay to, to make those decisions, um, in in season by season, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be like, oh, and now we're the homeschool family, right? And we will never not be the homeschool family or, and now we're the public school family. Like, I think, you know, or the private school or the private school family or whatever, like you and I actually both went to private school for high school, graduated from a private school, graduated Mm -hmm. from private schools, which that sounds really probably fancy. East Coast private school. There's a lot of private schools in Pennsylvania, like especially yeah. Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, on the East Coast. A, a lot, lot of them. Mine was not fancy. Mine was pretty janky, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, when we, I, I've spoken with, you know, uh, parents that are down the line from us and they said, you know what? We just decided that our kids, they just, they just needed a year to homeschool. They just needed a reset. And so we just took it, we did one, you know, one, we took one Sabbath year and we just homeschooled. Yeah. We just need, they actually, I've heard people say that they needed time to be together as a whole family. As a whole family. And so they did. And that was actually, I think, um, for me and in our choice to homeschool with my oldest is I, I felt like I just, I sent them away for eight hours a day and I didn't see them. Like I kind of missed them, (laughs) you know? And I was like, I, I want, I want to spend more time with them because time is their childhood is short so yeah but that's that's me you know like and and there was also COVID in there (laughs) yeah there was COVID in there and that's you and that's some of the things that you and I work through and some of those things and and again and to be frank like we are not we are not uh short-sighted on the reality that we are in the financial position to even consider homeschooling homeschooling changed financial priorities for us it impacted our lives (laughs) financially but we were in the position to be able to do that. And we realized and recognized that not everybody is in that position. And so, um, so yeah, I think you just, you just have to wrestle with it, uh, you know, and go, okay, w- w- where are we at? What are our kids need? What do we need as a family? Um, you don't have to become, you know, solidified and be like, we will never not be that thing. You know, like, right. um, that's, I think that's a, that's not a great response in, you know, um, in this, in this arena, 
and recognize that there are strengths and there are important realities. We don't want to shelter our kids. We want our kids to have to engage with their world in a in, in age-appropriate ways. And we want to help them work through the struggles of their world in age-appropriate ways. And if you just yeah. retain that, you if you protect them from all those things, can seem noble. But then when they're 18, 20, 22 years old, and it's all crashing in, it's overwhelming for them. Yeah. You know? I think that's one of the pros of sending your kids to public oh, yeah. school is that, yeah. you know, um, they, they learn how to be salt and light in mm-hmm. the public school. And originally that is yeah. why we did public oh, yeah. school. Yeah. And then we saw that some, you know, our oldest had, you know, little, little trouble in public school and there's some, some, emo- of those, some there's emotional some other things. things and some things going on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so the, probably the pro of that, of going to public school is you can, you develop the ability to be around lots of people, lots of different people. Um, and obviously yeah. there's the resources available at a public school that you yeah. wouldn't have at home. You know, the, the, and the pro of that is that two, two people can, two adults can be working, you know, like yeah. you can have double income. There's lots of pros to there's that. Lots of pros to it. And yeah. there's lots of pros to homeschool. Like yeah. there's really, um, unique, like a individualized education yeah. to each child. There's yeah. one-on-one attention. There's family time. Yeah. There's, if somebody has like, um, emotional or educational needs, you can meet that one-on-one with them. Yeah. Like, but then the con is obviously like there's financial, there can be financial strain. There can be, oh, okay, well, there is a lot of work that goes into yeah. it. it. It's not yeah. all it's the, n- all the fluff that you see on Instagram sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you had a post recently about like Instagram homeschool versus yes. our homeschool. Yeah. It was like picturesque homeschool versus like hot mess homeschool. <laughs> that picturesque homeschool, she's really wonderful. Um, and she's got chickens, but, and someday I may have chickens too. Um, but I just, some of it is not as pretty as what you see on Instagram, you know, yeah. on a dated, and it's hard, like it's from hard. an emotional, hard. physical, yeah. you're everything as their homeschool teacher. I think the most important thing when we think about schools and think about that environment for our kids is there's no singular silver bullet. Right. There's no singular silver bullet that is going to be like, if I do this, then it's all going to be okay. Or my children are going to follow Jesus if I do this. Yeah homeschool path or public school path like the most important thing that you can give your kids isn't isn't homeschool isn't public school isn't private school those are important decisions those are important things the most important thing that you can give your kids is your abiding and growing relationship in Christ I love that you know when yeah. they when they watch you when they watch you abide with Christ, remain in Christ, grow in Christ, daily spend time with Jesus, mm-hmm. daily lean into the Lord, and you talk about those things with them, that will be, that is far more influential and important than whether they went to public school or whether they were homeschooled or whether they went to private school or whether they went to no school or whether they... <laughs> no school? Okay, maybe not no school. <laughs> Kids should go to school. Kids should go to school. <laughs> But, but genuinely, the most important thing you can hand to your kids is your abiding, growing relationship in Christ, that you are following Jesus in a life-defining way in front of them. And that, that's far more important than anything else that we can give them uh, because they will watch and learn to follow Jesus in a life-defining way. And that's substantial and that's significant. 
right? Yeah, that's so, good. So school choice is important. Um, that's how we've processed it. Pre- prescriptive, not descriptive. And um, yeah, these, are, these have been really great questions. I think there's one more question about, about birthdays. How do we celebrate birthdays, Danielle? <laughs> Kyle, we're at 60 minutes. It's you want right. another question? Give me, give me 30 seconds on birthdays. Come on, you can do this. He doesn't want this conversation to end because this is our last one. You can do this. Podcast. 30 seconds on birthdays. How do I celebrate birthdays? Um, okay, so 30 seconds. We give the kids a choice of either a birthday party or basically presents. <laughs> so uh, we make they, we let them choose. I have to tell you the story. Um, they get they were all excited about their birthdays. They start talking about their birthdays at Christmas time, and their birthdays aren't until like April and June. But um, our oldest said. You know, um, Mom, I really want a three-tiered birthday cake. And I said, okay, well, you can have a three-tiered birthday cake on your wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, you'll get cupcakes. And I was like, I mean, because I've made them fancy cakes before, and it's fun. But now it's starting to get kind of exhausting. And so I'm trying to, like, pull back and be like, no, we're not, like, doing a big birthday party. Can't we just do something simple? How about I take you somewhere really awesome? Or yeah, yeah. Um, I love birthdays, but it, it does get tiring whenever you do three of them. Right in a row. Right in a row. So I think some of the things that we've done with birthdays is that we want to acknowledge the uniqueness and celebrate the uniqueness of each child. Right. We also say, hey, you know what? We're not throwing you a block party. So who are your five friends? Sometimes it feels like it. Who are your five friends that are going to come over? We also don't throw multi-hour birthday parties. Usually they're only like an hour or 90 minutes long. Right. Um, I think you learned a long time ago, like not throwing it over a mealtime. You know, don't throw it over lunch. Don't throw it over dinner. Um, It limits then how much you have to prepare. And often it also helps like with the kids, friends, you know, that yeah. where, where they're at, you know, they're not starving and those kind of things. And you and can so, totally keep it simple. Like it yeah. could be like, yeah. um, some, some food and cupcakes and presents and then just play time. Like yeah. you don't have to plan games or like, yeah. um, sometimes I'll do like a little favor for the kids, but that's just because I like to buy people stuff. So, yeah. you know, I don't even feel yeah. like you need to do that either. Yeah. Maybe you want to rent perfect games out. That's fine, but you don't have to. You know what I mean? And so um, so that's just been our approach. Uh, we want to recognize the uniqueness of our kids, celebrate the uniqueness of our kids, but not not have to go, uh, you know, we don't want to recover for a week after a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> or so, make other parents recover after I a know. birthday party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. So we talked about school choice. We talked about birthdays. We talked about Kyle's sin and all kinds of things. So it was a, wow. a, a full podcast here as we are, we have crossed the hour mark. Thanks wow. everyone for hanging in there with us. We hope that, uh, uh, can't wait to see you on Saturday for our Christmas Eve services. And as we, uh, proclaim and worship the, uh, uh the arrival of, of Jesus, as we remember his birth. Uh, 2,000 years ago at uh, at Christmas. God loved us and he sent his son for us. So we'll see you on Saturday. And uh, if we don't see you then, hope you have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone.